Welcome to Practice Talk, a deep dive into the world of healthcare practices, where we invite team members to share strategies to make your work life easier. Now your host, Lacey Ellis. Welcome to Practice Talk, brought to you by People in Practice, where we specialize in digital marketing, website development, SEO, and so much more. I am so excited for today's discussion about what's happening in the lab with our guest, Brandy Lafreniere. Brandy is not only one of my favorite humans on the planet, but she also has 23 years of in-office experience and has a true understanding of the inner workings of an orthodontic practice. She has held several different positions, including chairside assistant and laboratory manager, where she managed an in-house lab for four busy practice locations and even created specialty appliances. Brandy also received in-depth training on the ULab system applications and creating custom aligners. On top of all of that, (laughs) she is the mom of three amazing daughters, the wife of a Las Vegas detective, and is endlessly creating something beautiful. Welcome, Brandy. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, As a reminder to our audience, don't worry about taking any notes today. We will put together a printable that you will be able to download for free from our website filled with details of today's discussion. So I'm especially excited to have Brandy here today because she was with me as I began my journey into the orthodontic industry. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background about me. Um, I was the assistant manager of a photography studio. And this mom regularly brought in her adorable kids and we really got to know each other. And after a while, she told me that her husband was an orthodontist and was looking for an assistant. And she thought I should go in and meet with him. I said, no, thank you. I have zero desire to look at people's tongues all day for whatever reason. I thought that's what I would be doing. Um, And uh, however, she convinced me to go in um, for a working interview. And I did that and I completely fell in love. And I gave my notice at my job and I began my orthodontic training where I was taught by none other than our guest today, Brandy. (laughs) So that's a little bit insight into me. And now that you know a little bit about that. Um, Brandy, can you share your story of how you got started in the industry and how you ended up in the lab? Very similar start to yours. I went with my mom to my sister's orthodontic appointment because my mom's like, you should meet this orthodontist. He is so great. And you would love all the girls there. Like it's super fun. So I showed up and then um, just was talking to him and I said, so what does one have to do to work here? And he's like, oh, my assistant's leaving. You want to take her spot? I'm like, yes. So he hired me like right there. (laughs) And um, I started assisting for him, followed him to wherever he was in our practice. There's several different locations. And then um, did that for about 16 years. And then a spot opened up in the lab, which allowed me to be a little bit more flexible with my girls and be home with them a little bit more and choose my hours a little differently, take get them where they needed to be, and then moved in there. And that's where that's where it is. that's where it all all the crazy began is in the lab. I feel <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I know. So I will forever be grateful for the training and the skills that I learned at that office because so much of the, you know, what I learned and those skills that I learned have, um, 
followed me and they have, I've really built upon that knowledge and I've been able to jump into other careers because of that initial training and knowledge. So I have a ton of gratitude for the industry and for you for uh, putting up with my training because I did not know any of the names of the teeth. I literally had zero knowledge of anything in the mouth other than there's a tooth right there. <laughs> so. I think I brush these at night. You're like, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I'm glad our paths brought us together in the ortho world. Um, and then from then I've just, uh, decided that you never can escape me. So I'm sorry about that. And you're welcome. Okay. I wouldn't make it any other way. Um, so each orthodontic lab, um, you know, has a really unique workflow and a certain set of processes. Can you share some insight into some specific systems and procedures that your lab employed and how these systems helped you run an efficient lab? I'm really curious. Well, number one thing is like due dates. Due dates were just key. And um, as soon as they would scan a patient in and then it would come to our computer, um, we could immediately decide right then, like, if something was wrong, you could see the due date was too soon or too far out. And you're like questioning if their teeth will move. Like, we would just immediately contact the assistant and say, hey, did, is this correct? Or, you know, um, so as long as due dates were just set and we had like a two day turnaround, you know, don't expect anything before that unless there's special circumstances. Um, also our office always had D bands in the morning. So before lunchtime, which gave us time to process everything to get, um, everything printed on our printers and, uh, everything going, it gave us enough time to get stuff done so that by the end of that day, we could get it where it needed to be for the next day. Okay. So I know the office that we worked in together the longest, we had like a little paper. Do you remember this printed like little paper <laughs> that would go with the model so that we could um, fill out like when it was taken and when the due date was. So um, the system, it sounds like has really advanced <laughs> since then. So is in the lab that you, you were in the longest and the most frequent, um, it was the scan, the Itero scan that triggered you guys to know that there was something that needed to be delivered. So that there's, that was a little bit of an issue also because they could scan them. And then if they didn't submit it through a different program of the system that popped up in our lab, then it would just fall through the wayside and people would be like, Hey, where's my, you know, where's my retainer? And I'm like, well, it's not submitted. And they're like, but I scanned. And you're like, but that's the next, like you have to follow through on all your steps. The next step is submitting it through the program so that we would actually get it in the lab because otherwise we don't know to just go look for scans because it wasn't just D bands that were scanned. It was like initials and um, progress, you know, record, all their records actually. Yeah. So um, was that through the patient management system then like an O2 or a dolphin or something? Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so we like to get questions or comments from our listeners and our people in practice clients about our topic. So let's listen to our first question. Hi, how do you ensure consistent quality standards in the lab with more than one team member working in there? We really struggle with this and would love any insights that you have. Well, I'm a little bit of a control freak. So that was where that I, it helped in this situation, though, because like everything had to be done exactly how it had to be done. If a step was missed, then sometimes 
you know, stuff wouldn't follow through as it was supposed to, or it wouldn't get where it needed to be if all the steps weren't followed every time. So, um, in our lab, there was only two of us in there and we both knew exactly how things needed to be done and the steps that needed to be followed. And it was just, you didn't deviate from them because then we would be the ones suffering later if stuff wasn't done or people didn't get stuff on time. It was just very important to follow the steps as they, as they came through. But with um, <clears throat> digital <clears throat> Excuse me. So sorry. Oh, with the digital scans, if a step was missed, then it couldn't proceed on. So it was pretty easy to just have like a system of how things went. Um, if I were going to recommend for other people to come in and because I know lots of labs don't have to people that sit in the lab, they have their assistants go in and do their retainers and make things for their D-bands themselves. Um, so if that was the case, I feel like I would have a sign up that just is like, these are the steps, do this, do that, do this with little, um, hints next to each thing, like, Hey, make sure this doesn't happen or make sure kind of like a virtual checklist on the wall, just so people could follow through with every step that needs to happen. Okay. So I think what I'm hearing a lot about is the systems. Like it's really important that everybody knows the systems and that those steps are in place, that there's good communication with all of that. But also I would think that the quality of the training of each person that's going to step foot in that lab is going to be impactful as well. Because if you've got somebody who can make a really great retainer and then somebody who can't, you're not always going to get that same quality, the doctor's probably going to get frustrated. It might not fit well if this person's the one making it. So probably that level of training that the team member receives is important. And then also, I would assume having somebody that's kind of like overseeing or in charge of the lab in some way, because then they can watch that quality standard and they can keep an eye on all those little details, make sure those things are happening. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's why I was so particular about things in the lab. I just wanted everything to be the the best that it could be. I didn't want a retainer to come back cracked. If so, like we had to get to the bottom of what was the problem? Was it um, heated too long? Was it, um, you know, was there something wrong with the model? Was the scan bad? Like we had to pinpoint where the issue was so we could fix it because I didn't want anything coming out of the lab that wasn't perfect because I felt like it was a direct reflection on me and how I ran the lab. So I had to make sure everything was like perfect. And that's why we didn't let other people come in and do things in which I know is not ideal because they, most people don't have lab people that stay in there, but it just was easier if everything was done the exact same way and we had our hands on everything. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge, huge proponent of cross training. That's how I learned so much in the office that I learned because the doctor that we worked for the longest was really good about being like, you want to learn the front desk for a couple weeks? Great. You're going to go up there and learn the front desk. So you can't complain in the back as an assistant that somebody messed up your schedule, you know? Um, so while I do think cross training is important, I think the lab is a little different than even chair side because chair side, you know, tying in or untying, there's only so many variables that can really go wrong. We're in the lab, the variables of things that could 
happen. There's just so many little details in there. Like you said, that one little step gets missed and, and now you have an appliance that is going to come back as a failure. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important. <laughs> um, okay. So let's listen to our next question. We seem to have constant miscommunication about when something needs to be completed for delivery. And one of our biggest issues is the frequent request for us to rush to get the patient something. What can we do to make things run more smoothly? Yeah, I this was this is a hard one because every day I feel like you could have multiple, oh, this is an emergency, they need their retainer today. This is an emergency, they need their retainer today. And when you're running four offices, like that's just not a possibility. There's four locations working every day and it's impossible to get stuff same day, especially if it wasn't at the office where our lab was located. Because that was I mean almost impossible. So there are, there were exceptions, you know, okay, since all of our D-bands were done prior to lunchtime, we still had time to edit the scan, print it on our 3D printer, make the appliance, but there would be uh, specifications of maybe they had to come to our office at the end of the day, that day to pick up the retainer if they needed it rushed that day. Or, um, it, we just had to draw like a really hard line in, you know, nothing can be due before two days. We need two days to process everything because not only was it just making printing and making each appliance, but it was delivering it to the office that it needed to be delivered at too. Um, and so, and trying to get a bunch of moving parts going and have everything run smoothly was, could be challenging at times, but we just had to, get our doctors backing us up on, hey, don't don't have this due next day. They need two days to get this done because there's delivery and just you had really, really busy days. And <clears throat> I think that's really important what you're saying, the having the doctor back you up. And I talk about this in almost every situation in the office, you know, the TC, the front desk, you know, we all need those. This is the clear guideline and we're all going to stick to it. And and yes, life is messy and not perfect. And there are going to be situations where, like you said, okay, this person is leaving for Cambodia tomorrow and they have to have their retainer and great. So that means they need to come to this location by the end of the day to get it. And, and if it's important enough to the patient, they're going to do those extra steps to make it happen as well. A true emergency um, doesn't necessarily exist unless we, unless we let it, you know, oftentimes when it comes to delivering appliances. Oh yeah. Our, our constant joke was, well, this patient's moving to Egypt because it was always, I felt like every time someone got their braces off, oh, well, we're leaving first thing in the morning to go on vacation or it was always, which is, I don't know if they like really schedule to get their braces off, like the day before they leave on vacation and then or if they just don't think, oh, we need a retainer delivery date also. Just that's, on, that's kind of on assistance and front desk to make sure that they know that that comes with that. I was going to say that's a really important piece to the system would be like, did we explain well enough at the scheduling of the D-band, the steps that are going to fall after that D-band? So yes, there needs to be a delivery of the retainers. And yes, we need to follow up and see you in those retainers so we can make sure that it's fitting and that nothing has shifted or, you know, that those retainer follow-ups are just as important as any other visit. Because I think without that, you get those, and I've seen this in tons of offices where all of a sudden 
we can't get a hold of the patient. And they never come back. And then they call two years later and they're like, my retainer never fit. And my teeth have stopped, you know, started moving a long time ago. And you're like, had you come into those follow-up retainer visits, we would have caught this a lot sooner. So it really does go back to all of those little pieces of that system happening in the order that they were intended to happen in. Being an assistant, I know it's very overwhelming and it's really hard to like sit and make sure your patient understands what you're telling them needs to happen. You know, especially when you're talking about getting your braces off, how there's that is the most exciting day that they've seen in your office in two years besides getting their braces on. They want to get their braces off. And I feel like especially when you're talking to like a younger kid, that's all they hear. I'm getting my braces off. And they're probably not even listening to the protocols that come with getting your braces off. So who knows what they're what they're it's like look me about. directly in the eyes. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> They've got fireworks Repeat going on behind me. them. <laughs> Repeat after me. What comes after that? You're gonna come right back. Two days later, you're gonna come pick up your retainer. You're gonna wear that retainer because we want to make sure what we've worked on for two years is going to hold and look this way forever. You want it to look that way forever. It was a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah. I tell my son all the time whose teeth have relapsed. We're not going to talk about it, but um, that I still wear my retainer two nights a week just to maintain everything. And how long ago did I get those suckers off? I was think I think I, I think I turned 21 when I got them off. If I remember correctly. <laughs> so it was last, last year. Yeah. Um, just barely. Just barely. barely. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, so I know that technology is, um, you know, consistent, uh, constantly evolving in the field of orthodontics. And, um, I'm curious how the advancements in technology have impacted your work in the lab and what emerging trends do you find most exciting? First of all, anything new that came out in orthodontics was the coolest thing ever. Anything like I was still an assistant when we went from impressions to scanning, which was the best day of my life, the best day of my life. I cannot even tell you. So when I went into the lab that was already implemented and they already knew the scanning system and all that. Um, so I'm really glad I didn't have to deal with a lot of impressions in the lab because that's not not fun. But I any time there was something new that came out, luckily, my doc, my doctor was very excited about new things that came out. So he was right on getting us the newest thing and getting us hooked up with, you know, iTero machines and we need another iTero machine. He would get us another one because we were so busy, huge practice. And just I loved anything that made our job easier, cleaner less stressful and just followed a better guideline of this is what you do next. This is what you do next. It just was less room for error. Um, because with impressions, you remember bubbles, you get too much spit in there and all that. You didn't get the lip roll, right? (laughs) Get that lip roll and don't, don't, don't take an impression of their uvula. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need that much. We don't need that. (laughs) We don't need that or hit a tooth and then you can't get the retainer to go around that side of the mouth because you hit the the tray, hit the tooth. Like, yeah. Well, you know, I I haven't worked in, um, in a lab where we had the blessing of the 3d printer. I stepped out of the lab before that time. Um, but to me, I think that would have been one of my favorite days in the lab as well. And it probably would have saved, um, 
our nails and fingertips from when we were grinding the models, I was constantly taking off like a bit of finger. <laughs> I wasn't very good, apparently, because I was constantly nicking You're my out. hands. You're like, out. Yeah. That's why they kicked me out of the lab is because her finger was <laughs> in the machine all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I think no. that would have been exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was just so amazing. Like I was in the lab when we got our printers and it was just watching them come in. You were like a kid on Christmas. They came in and then they went over how to use them. And you're like, that's it. That's it. Just, that's it. It's just so easy. And getting the computer system part down so that you could send it to the printer and have it start printing immediately. Like it was just, it was amazing. Best day ever. Best day ever. Do you think there's anything emerging like that's coming up soon that's going to be as big or, you know, as life changing in the lab as that? Or is there any little things coming up that you think are going to be really impactful that you know of? There's always things like, hey, we're going to do um, a machine that will cut the retainer out for you. So you're not cutting with your hands. I I swear I have arthritis already in like my right hand from just doing so much cutting on retainers. Um, and so I don't know if that ever came to fruition. I left the lab prior to that, us getting one of those. But um, apparently the new thing is that they are able to skip a step of printing the model and you print the retainer on an imaginary model. But I'm just not even sure. I kind of want to go back to a lab just so I can see this happen because I love technology and I love all the stuff that they come out with that just blows my mind. I need to see that. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't heard of that one. We're going to have to take a trip to a lab. Okay. Somebody volunteer to have Brandy and I come to your lab and show us how this works. Hopefully someone in Hawaii or Tahiti or somewhere. Yes. Somewhere warmer than where I'm at would be great. (laughs) So my last question and something that I know you are an expert on is, you know, could you give us an overview of how your office worked with the ULAB system and any tips and tricks that you found to make the process smooth um, and to produce high quality aligners? I'm I'm really interested in this. And I know a lot of people have a lot of ULAB questions. So maybe if you can give us a high level overview, that would be great. ULAB was amazing. It was my favorite system to work. I loved it. Um, Because I'm a little bit of a control freak and I'm very organized, it worked really well for me um, because the doctor had to fill out a sheet saying, oh, I want this patient to get ULAB. They have a little bit of relapse or, you know, there's one tooth. I'm not happy with where it's at or we need to adjust the bite. There are things he would make sure to write it out on a lab slip. We went back to the lab slip just, but that was just so that I had a backup method of monitoring all of my U labs because it was, it could get overwhelming. I was like very consistent with making sure that I had record of not only in the computer, did I have record of each U lab patient, but I kept a log. And then I also kept all of the slips. Just I wanted to make sure I had like a backup to make sure I did everything correctly. And if I wasn't in the office that day, my girls could go into the back and flip through the pages to see if it was actually submitted. Because that was usually the issue is something wouldn't get submitted. And then they would show up 
uh, in the office hoping for their aligners and then it was never submitted kind of like with, you know, retainers when they wouldn't show up and people are sitting there waiting for those. Um, so I would then utilize the ULab program to specifically design their aligners and you would add attachments here and there. You would, it, it was, it was really, really fun. And then I would take it to the doctor and he would go over it and make sure that it was exactly how he wanted and exactly the amount of liners and um, not too aggressive of movements or maybe more aggressive movements. Um, and then I would take it back to the lab and I would start the whole process. It was, I, I required about three weeks notice prior to delivery. Just, it just took that long to do it. Then not only the, that, what's the average amount of aligners? So you had, you know, it took about three weeks to go through all those steps and the processes and what on average were you delivering to a patient um, as far as their, as their first set of aligners? I tried to do about three aligners at a time depending on how aggressive the movements, because you don't, uh, if it was a lot of movement, you know, you don't know if the doctor wants them to wear them for one to two weeks, each aligner. So if they were wearing it for one week, I would feel comfortable giving them about four at a time, I guess, and have them come back in a month. I just want to track and make sure everything is where it needs to be. If they missed an aligner, that was an issue. You know, we would say, hold on to your last aligner, go back to that one. Same rules as, you know, we followed with Invisalign usually. Um, but usually I feel like I did smaller movements with the teeth. So then they probably could get away with wearing them for one week. So I wouldn't, I tried not to give more than four at a time, just so it wasn't so overwhelming to the patient. And they're trying to thumb through all these bags with numbers on them and figure out how to manage that themselves. Sure. So when they just, because I haven't worked with this system before, when they came back in, um, would it be another th three weeks to get the next round of aligners done for them? Usually not because at that point I've already put them in the system, started moving their teeth. And from there, it's just a few more movements. So I probably would have another week after that, if I was adding aligners onto it, is it a rescan at that at each subsequent visit? So you know what you're making. Um, I like to rescan just because I never knew if their teeth were tracking exactly like the program was telling me they would, or you never know also if your patient's actually wearing them as often as they should be. If they're just popping them in once or twice and they're getting a little bit of movement and then they're taking them off and then the movement's relapsing and then they're getting a little bit of movement when they pop them on and they're like, oh, I wore those long enough. I'll move to the next one. It's not going to hold. Their teeth are not going to look like what the program's telling me their teeth should look like at the end of those four trays. So I, I always liked a rescan just to be safe and make sure I knew what was coming. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I'm going to throw you for a loop here because we didn't talk about this previously, but I know you have shared with me before that there were certain things that you felt like could impact the quality, such as like heating it up too long or not long enough. Are there any other little tips or tricks that you want to share that you learned in the lab that you think would be helpful for people to know before we end today? 
Well, yeah, we had figured out sometimes, you know, the doctor would be like, I don't understand their trays keep cracking or um, they're just too tight. I cannot get them on the patient's mouth when they come in. Um, And so we had gone through tons of troubleshooting. One thing you need to look at is calibrating your 3D printer. They need to be calibrated every once in a while just to make sure they're not, if they're off by a millimeter, their retainers will not fit in their mouth. And so sometimes, um, you know, I would go through the recalibrating on that. And then also we would have to make sure our um, Trutain machine wasn't heating up our aligner material too much. If you're doing like tons and tons of retainers on top of each other, your machine's just getting hotter and hotter. So then you're still setting it for 20 second heat time or whatever your heat time is. And by the time it's done 10 retainers, it's hot enough that it only needs 10 second heat up at that point. So, you know, it's, it's just knowing a lot of these little tricks that you have to know your equipment. Um, we ended up getting two suck down Trutane machines just so that we could hop back and forth and one wouldn't get too hot. Um, also, we were busy enough that we honestly had to use two, two Trutane suck down machines because we were just so busy at work. I'm surprised we ran it with two people in there. Um, but those those are just two things. Also, if your Trutane material sits out too long, it can kind of get a little brittle and it's not supposed to be like, um, you know, exposed to light because it can affect how it heats up. And that's why they try to package them in only like one or two aligners per packaging. Um, Usually for ULAB, we used a little bit of a thinner material because they were going through them and they were trying to move actively move teeth rather than just hold them where they needed to be. Um, so we had different sets of material for U labs, different ones for retainers at the end of the D band and just, you know, organization. It comes back to just keeping things organized and knowing where your, all your stuff is. So systems, <laughs> we're back to, back to systems. Follow <laughs> the system, everything should work out as planned. <laughs> Well, um, I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation today as much as I did. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your valuable insights, Brandy. I really appreciate you taking the time with me today. Of course, of course. It was fun. So our goal is to give you truly tangible items that you can use in your day-to-day life at the office and elevate the voices of the people that actually work in an office and sit in the same chair that you sit in every single day. Um, We would love to hear from you with topic or guest recommendations, as well as questions or comments about things that you are dealing with inside of your practice. So send us your anonymous questions and stories to practice-talk.com. Please subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family that might find these conversations helpful and interesting. And don't forget to listen to our original podcast called The Golden Age of Orthodontics, hosted by the founders of People in Practice, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein. Until next time, thank you for joining us on Practice Talk, where your voice has value. Thank you for listening to the Practice Talk podcast. Head over to practice-talk.com to ask us questions or tell us your stories. Until next time.